0: At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible.
1: Today we're reading Genesis chapters 25 and 26. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 25, Abraham remarries at the ripe old age of 136. Beginning now with verse 1. Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimron, Jokshon. Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. Jokshan begot Sheba and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Asheram, Letusham, and Leumam. And the sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Eldaiah. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, one hundred and seventy-five years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried, and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass, after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at beer la The facts of this passage are disputed by students of the Bible. Some maintain that uh, Ketur became Abraham's wife while Sarah was still living, years and years before her death. They maintain that she was one of his concubines. The question lies in whether or not verse 1 is intended to be understood to have taken place chronologically after the events from the preceding chapters. It is true the Hebrew text of verse 1 is not definite, could be either way. Verse 1 says, Abraham again took a wife and her name was Keturah. That verse immediately follows verse 67 of the previous chapter regarding Sarah's death. Let's face it, Abraham was an unusual man. He was 136 years old when Sarah died. Perhaps he did start another family with Keturah after Sarah's death and then lived to be 175. Go Abraham! So how long did Abraham grieve Sarah's death before he remarried? You know, people always ask questions like that. Maybe he took some time, but at 136, he must have felt he didn't have much time to waste. Taking a look at the size of his family, though, through Keturah, God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, as part of his covenant with him, that he would be the father of many nations. Well, indeed, that's so. The inheritance, however, he leaves only to Isaac, and the seed blessings are fulfilled through Isaac and only Isaac. We see that in Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. If you'd like more information on the Abrahamic Covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham, then there's a link on this page where you can look up Abrahamic Covenant under the topic sections of BibleTrack.org. However, there's some interesting wording in verse 6 which causes us to entertain the notion that Keturah became one of Abraham's concubines prior to Sarah's death when it says this, "...but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had," And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. The Hebrew, both sons and concubines, both of those are plural in the Hebrew. These six verses are thus understood by some to indicate that Abraham had taken other concubines, second-class wives... While Sarah was still living, they maintain that Keturah was simply one of these concubines who get special mention because of the number of her offspring. At 175, Abraham dies, and he's buried with Sarah by Isaac and Ishmael. Of particular note regarding Abraham's family through Keturah, Abraham's son Midian is generally accepted to be the father of the Midianites, among whom Moses found refuge after fleeing Egypt. As a matter of fact, Moses married a Midianite. Regarding the other sons, speculation is made regarding the identity of their descendants, but Scripture doesn't really access them specifically enough to be able to draw reliable conclusions. Oh, by the way, if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today's reading, you'll see a map there of Isaac's journeys. Did you ever wonder what happened to Ishmael's boys? Well, we're going to read about them in Genesis chapter 25, verses 12-18. through 18. Verse twelve. Now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael, by their names according to the generations. The firstborn of Ishmael was Nebajoth, then Kedar, Abdel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadar, Tema, Jeder, Naphish and Kadima. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, twelve princes according to their nations. These were the years of the life of Ishmael, one hundred and thirty-seven years, and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They dwelt from Havilah, as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt as you go toward Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren." Ishmael's offspring went on to populate much of the Arabian Peninsula. Between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Keturah, many of the Arab tribes were descendants of Abraham. God had spoken to Hagar before Ishmael was born concerning Ishmael in Genesis chapter 16, verse 12, and here's what God said, He shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren." The descendants of Ishmael, 12 princes according to their nations, we see in verse 16, they go on to plague Israel through much of Israel's history. Ishmael gets no more mention in Genesis with the exception of Genesis chapter 28 verse 9 regarding one of his daughters marrying Esau. That was Isaac's grandson. All of our attention now turns to Abraham's seed line, Isaac. In verses 19 to 26, we see that Rebekah has a really tough pregnancy. Verse 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughters of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan, Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red red he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when she bore them. Well, at first, Rebekah is barren, but after Isaac prays, she becomes pregnant with twins, rambunctious twins wrestling right there in the womb. Rebecca checks with God about this unusual activity going on inside her, only to find out from God that this would be a pattern for her boys, two nations struggling with each other. We see that in verse 23. One more aspect, important aspect of that verse, seniority would become an issue as Rebecca is told, the older shall serve the younger. Look at the hair on that red baby. Well, the folks might have said that about Esau. We see in verse 25, the first of twins to peek through. Hanging on to Esau's heel immediately came Jacob. Well, that settles it. Esau is the firstborn, if not but by a few seconds. A couple of nicknames stick to these babies right from birth. Esau became known as Seir, and his descendants are often known by that term. Seer, by the way, is a slight variation from the Hebrew word for hair. Esau got another nickname based on his reddish color, Edom. That's based upon the Hebrew word for red. Incidentally, notice that Isaac was 60 years old when his two boys were born. He and Rebekah had now been married for 20 years. Now, birthright's no big deal, right? Not when you're hungry, or is it? Let's look at Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 27. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, "'Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom.' But Jacob said, "'Sell me your birthright as of this day.' And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, here's the reality. Isaac and Rebekah had their favorites. We see that in verse 28. Isaac identified more with Esau, the big game hunter, while Rebecca preferred the calm domestic child, Jacob. One day Esau comes in from hunting, starving, says he's about to die of hunger. Jacob had a big pot of red soup for which Esau agreed to trade his oldest son birthright to Jacob just for a serving. What a deal, Jacob thinks. No big deal, Esau reasons. Jacob makes Esau swear to this agreement. This decision could come back to haunt Esau, as a matter of fact, it does. It's important to understand here that Esau did seal the deal on selling his birthright with an oath in this passage. That makes the eldest son birthright legally the property of Jacob now, not really Esau. The deceit that Jacob and Rebekah engage in at the perceived end of Isaac's life in Genesis chapter 27 to make it all official is just a formality. Jacob legally owned the birthright that Esau had legally sold him. That deceit is obviously very distasteful to us, but it didn't result in Jacob getting something that wasn't rightfully his anyway. One more thing, verse 34 says, Esau despised his birthright. There's another important piece of relevant information here, God's word to Rebekah in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. He told her there that the older shall serve the younger. So actually, this soup episode simply confirms what had already been determined and stated by God. Incidentally, verse 30 does that play on word thing again between the Hebrew word for red and Esau's nickname, Edom a Hebrew variation of the word for red. We first saw the red reference with regard to his skin tone at his birth in verse 25. Then we have that sister routine again. Remember the one that uh, Abraham and Sarah engaged in? Well, here it is again, beginning in verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, "She's my sister, for he was afraid to say she is my wife, because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw. And there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife, so how could you say she's my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you've done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until it became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham." He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitnamb. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, because, he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham, do not fear, for I am with you, I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there. And called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzoth, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to him, Why have you come to me, since you hate me, and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning, and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took his wives, Judith the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Vassimath the daughter of Elan the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah." Well another famine, and Isaac heads south through Abimelech's land. It's deja vu all over again. If you recall Abraham tried this back in Genesis chapter 12 verses 10 through 20, and again in Genesis chapter 20, God warns Isaac to stay out of Egypt in verse two and reconfirms to him the territorial promises that God had made to Abraham in verses three through five. But just like his dad Abraham, Isaac tells the people there that Rebekah is his sister. It was a half-truth when Abraham introduced Sarah that way, but it's just an outright lie for Isaac regarding Rebekah. When Abimelech, probably the son of Abraham's contemporary, when he sees Isaac and Rebekah showing affection toward each other in a way that brothers and sisters aren't really known for, he knows something's up. Abimelech rebukes Isaac for the deceit and makes a very interesting statement of the misidentification of Rebekah when he says in verse 10, One of the people might soon have lain with your wife. Do you mean they might do that without Rebekah's permission and so casually? Whoa, tough times, tough place to live, at least for a woman. After a confrontation, Isaac admits the truth about his relationship with Rebekah. Abimelech issues a decree to his people regarding the safety of Isaac and Rebekah while they're dwelling in their land, and the land of the Philistines. Now, any fling with Rebekah by anyone other than Isaac will be his last fling. Isaac prospered so much in the land of the Philistines here that Abimelech asked Isaac to take his possessions and go. Isaac begins moving around, digging wells, and setting up housekeeping. After a couple territorial disputes with the locals over discovered water, Isaac finally settles in Beersheba. In verse 24, God speaks to Isaac once again to reconfirm the promises originally given to his father, Abraham. After recognizing God's blessings upon Isaac, Abimelech comes to make a peace treaty with Isaac. This chapter ends with disappointment for Isaac and Rebekah. That's the marriages of their son Esau to local... Canaanite women. You'll recall that both Rebekah and Isaac's folks were northerners from Haran in Mesopotamia. Abraham had been very adamant with his instructions to the servant who was charged with finding a wife for Isaac. He commanded him back in Genesis chapter 24, 3. He said, You'll not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Look at the notes on Genesis 24 for more insight there. It would appear that Abraham understood his real estate promises from God to mean that he was not to mix his seed with the seed of the local Canaanites. Now Esau, he's married these local Canaanite women. It's difficult to know what Isaac and Rebekah are thinking at this point in time about the seed promise that's passed from Abraham through Isaac. Rebekah certainly must have recalled the word from the Lord in Genesis chapter 25 verse 23 That was when God told her the older shall serve the younger. We don't know whether or not she had ever shared this information with Isaac. Perhaps at this point, Isaac and Rebekah are assuming that the seed promises that God had given to Abraham and had reconfirmed through Isaac are to be fulfilled through their eldest son, Esau. Or maybe Isaac was the only one thinking that, perhaps being unaware of the word from the Lord to Rebekah or the sold birthright that had taken place in chapter 25. Well, that being the case, they probably viewed Esau's marriage to the locals as an act that would compromise these promises. Ultimately, it would be the younger, but only by a few seconds, it would be the younger Jacob through whom those seed promises would be fulfilled. Look at the notes on Genesis chapter 28 for those seed promises being reconfirmed through Jacob. Oh well, all's well that ends well. The Jacob-Esau birthright saga will continue in Genesis chapter 27.
0: This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.